0: You can open your Bibles with us to Matthew chapter 8. We've been going through Matthew chapter 8 for the past few weeks, and we've been talking about the power of Jesus. And so we went through the Sermon on the Mount, of which you can go to our new website and you can check out any one of those messages if you haven't, uh, didn't, if you missed one of those messages. But we're in Matthew chapter 8, and we're looking at Jesus' healings. Um, We're going to look at him casting out demons. We're going to see Jesus in Matthew chapter 8 next week. He's going to be calming storms. And what we see in Matthew chapter 8 about Jesus is that he is the son of God. He is God in the flesh, and he has all authority over sickness. He has all authority over the natural world. He's got all authority over our lives and even eternity and so I'm just excited as we, we're going to jump right into uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 22. I'm going to read it in its entirety so you can follow along with me in your Bible or you've got a, uh, your Bible on your phone. It says, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Verse 18, When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of God, or the Son of Man, has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And so what we have in this section of scriptures is that we've got two different things going on. And maybe even your Bibles, you even see them delineated by two different titles. And the first we have, we have Jesus healing. He's healing the multitudes. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's showing his power here on this earth. So he's showing the healing. Then... The second part of this verse he's talking about the cost of discipleship that when you when you become a follower of Jesus it can be difficult and re- require sacrifice and, and it's interesting because I think sometimes in our Christian walk, we, we kind of tend to focus one or the other, but they're, they're like a, a jigsaw puzzle piece and we need both of them. Some people say, well, I just, I want the healing and I love salvation and I love forgiveness and I just want to live in that, uh, but, but I don't want to sacrifice anything. Some people, they're so over here on the sacrifice that they're just kind of walking around. They've got a scowl all the time. They're like, man, there's no joy in their life. But with Jesus and a relationship with Jesus, we've got the cross, the suffering. We experience these things, but yet we also have the hope of the resurrection and eternal life. And so what I wanna do is I wanna talk to you guys about being a, a full disciple of Jesus today. And the first thing is, is if you're going to be following Jesus. And by, the, by the way, uh, when I talk about being a disciple, a disciple is someone who uh, it, it really comes from the root word discipline. It means I, I'm going to follow Jesus. That's what it literally means. And this is what, if I'm going to follow Jesus, then I'm going to do the things that Jesus did. What did he do? Well, Jesus healed people. Jesus, you know, he prayed for people. Jesus forgave others. Jesus was constantly serving one another. Jesus spoke truth, hard truth, even when people didn't wanna hear it. And so as we look at our Savior, as we look at our Lord, as we look at Jesus and his life and the Gospels, we as followers, we go, we wanna do what our Lord has done. And that's what being a disciple is. And so as we become, as we talk about being a disciple um, the first thing about following Jesus is this, is you will experience healing. If you follow Jesus, you will experience healing. Now, here's the thing. You, you may experience physical healing. You might experience emotional healing. But if you give your heart and life to Jesus, you will experience spiritual healing, a healing that comes from uh, the brokenness in our souls and our spirits That only Jesus can heal. And he heals through his forgiveness and his death on the cross. But we also see many examples of the fact that he healed physically when he was on this earth. In fact, uh, the Bible says that when Jesus came, in verse 14, into Peter's house. Who was Peter? Peter was one of the 12 disciples. He was actually one of the inner three where he got to see Jesus in his uh, transfiguration And he got to see Jesus in moments when other disciples didn't get to see him. He was like in that inner three. He was close to Jesus. And so when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. And so he comes in and she's got a fever and they didn't have Tylenol back in those days. And so there she is sitting there with the fever. The Bible says he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. What I love about this is that as we've been studying Matthew chapter 8, we see that Jesus was very intentional, intentional about the way he healed, but he healed in all kinds of different ways. Remember the leper? What did he do? He reached out and he touched the leper. The centurion, what did he do? He spoke a word and he healed. So Jesus heals through different methods and different ways according to what he wants to do. Now in those two instances I just gave you, the leper and the centurion in Matthew chapter 8. What you find is that you have those two guys are coming and they're asking for healing. They're actually requesting, can I can I be healed? What we find with Peter's mother in law, there's no request made. Jesus just sees that she's sick and she comes over and, and he, he, he comes over and he touches her. And, and you just see, like, there's, there's not an equation to healing, you guys. There's not like this, like, well, the, the, he did it over here this way and so he's gonna always do it this way. No, no. God is sovereign. And God, in his sovereignty, chose to heal Peter's mother in law. And so Peter's mother-in-law, she experiences healing. Now, in this healing, it's not a progressive type of healing. It's not this kind of gradual thing that just comes on. It's not like her fever drops from 104 to 103 to 102, and then like next hour it's down, and like we just got the fever. No, no, no. He touches her, and she's instantaneously healed, supernaturally healed. And I love, uh, I love this. Um, the, in verse 15, he touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. Isn't that so cool? Like she gets healed and the first thing that she does is she gets up and starts serving Jesus. How many people, how many of you have been healed? You've experienced the love of God in your life. You've experienced forgiveness You've been set free from sin. Maybe you've even been set free from an ailment and you've experienced that you knew that was God. You were so sure of it. What did you do? You didn't lay back on the couch. You got out there and you started telling people. You started seeing how you can serve and how you can help the community. Why? Because that's the, the natural response to when God blesses us, we want to then go and be a blessing to others. And Peter's mother responds right away. She's a a beautiful example to follow immediately. Maybe God has helped you through a dangerous or difficult situation. Ask him, how can I serve you, Lord? What can I do to respond to this this beautiful thing that you've done in my life? And then it says in in verse 16, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And before I go on, I just wanna talk a little bit more about healing. Um, I think in our culture, sometimes when we talk about being prayed to be healed, uh, we think of the extreme of the, the people that come up and the guy's kind of putting the hand on the head and everybody's shaking violently and it's just this kind of weird thing. It's not like that, you guys. It, we, we heal in response to God's sovereignty his power in our lives, and, and it's simple. I mean, I, I can think about even in my own life how God has brought physical healing. Um, I can think also about the fact that when my, uh, one of my best friends, when he told me he had cancer, the first thing I did was cry with him, but I, the second thing I did was pray for him. And I remember being on this journey with my friend and, and I would go, and I remember he was in the hospital for 43 days, and he had a port put in him so he, he could have the medicine just put right into his body, and he was there, and I, could, I was there the day after, you know, he had chemo, and he was shivering, and his body was so messed up from the chemo, and I was just there with my hand on him, and I mean, I just walked with him through that, and I remember after 43 days of my friend being in the hospital, they said to him, you're, gonna, you're just gonna have to go home and be with your family. You have probably about two weeks to live. And that was, a, that was like, if you hear that, two weeks. We, we, we've done everything that we possibly can do here in the hospital. We can't do anything else. It was horrible news, but we continue to believe. And I remember... Um, I remember talking to him a few days later and he's like, man, I started, he he comes home. He's like, I'm starting to feel better. About a week later, he goes, I I feel a lot better. He goes back to the hospital. His cancer is completely gone. Like and, and I'm thinking, and, we, and he had people from all over the world praying for him. He had different churches praying for him. He was a pastor, and so he had his own congregation praying for him. And I just remember seeing the actual healing hand of God in my friend's life. It was so powerful. In fact, it was so powerful that two weeks after he was in the hospital, he was in my garage. We were listening to Classic Rock, and we were lifting weights together. I'm not kidding. And he's like doing more than me. And I'm like, dude, you just were in the in the hospital for 43 days with cancer. There's no way you're lifting more than me, right? That's not actually that hard, but anyways. <laughs> and so I just remember thanking God. And I remember he was in the he had just gotten done with a set of push-ups. And and I just he just started yelling out, God, to you be the glory. It was one of the most powerful moments I'd ever experienced because here's a guy who was at the brink of death and God healed him. Well, about four months later, um, his cancer came back and he, he fought it for another six to seven months and eventually the Lord took him home. And I remember just, just the grief and the sadness of, of seeing my friend, but also realizing that, he is experiencing ultimate healing in heaven. There's, he's not suffering anymore. There's no more tears. There's no more sadness. There's no more cancer. And so what I learned in that instance about healing is that God sometimes chooses to heal supernaturally and sometimes he chooses not to. And, and we pray for and we trust God that he can heal us on this earth, but we know that ultimately we are all of us are going to die. But we know that, God has given us ultimate healing at the resurrection when we have our new bodies and we won't experience any more pain. And we're going to be, I don't know, we'll be lifting weights because it's probably just vain. But we're, we're going to be healthy and we're not going to have any more pain. And so, um, so Jesus can heal. Jesus can heal. Verse 16, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. Isn't that interesting, that little verse there? When evening came. When it was dark out, that's when demons kind of come out, right? That's when when th- bad things happen, and, and so when, when the evening came, the demons were brought to him, and he drove out spirits with a world with a word and healed their sick. And, and you know what is a demon? A demon is a fallen angel. So you have in like Isaiah sixty one and Ezekiel, you have the whole description of. Lucifer, who was one of really God's right-hand angels, who rebelled against God. And when he rebelled against God, he took a third of the angels with him. And so demons are now fallen angels under kind of, kind of Lucifer's leadership. And they're there to uh, discourage believers. They're there to bring lies into people's hearts and lives. They're there to bring bondage into people's hearts. In their lives. And so they're there to just ruin things. You know, the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what demons do. They come to steal and to kill and destroy. And so these people are brought, and Jesus, with a word, is casting out demons. People that are literally have been bound, maybe for years, healed completely. And I started thinking about that. Uh, We don't you know, I talk to missionaries and other people that live in third world countries that don't have the kind of, maybe some of the medical assistance and, and some of the other things that we have here in America that talk about demo- people being demonized, people experiencing this demonic oppression in their lives. And we just don't see it that much, but it's there. The Bible says there's an unseen world. Now, get, now know this. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have now been given the Holy Spirit as a deposit. You now possess the Holy Spirit. So you now cannot be demon-possessed and have the Holy Spirit because now you've been bought with a price through Jesus Christ. However, if you are a believer, the demon can definitely try to discourage you, try to trip you up, try to tempt you, try to get you to, to get off of God's will. And so we can still experience that oppression as followers of Jesus. And believe me, when, when you're about to do something, when I'm about to do something, not do something big, but if I'm stepping into a new ministry or I'm, I'm taking a step of faith here, what happens is that inevitably I can begin to experience um, some, of this, some of this influence and you go, man, there's some spiritual warfare going on because there's an unseen world, guys. In fact, in... Ephesians chapter six says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the rulers and the authority and the principalities of this this unseen world. And so we wrestle. How do we wrestle? We wrestle through prayer. We wrestle through faith. We wrestle through uh, fixing our minds and our hearts on Jesus. That's how we wrestle, but we don't wrestle alone. You see, God has all authority. Jesus has all authority over evil spirits. And so we don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to be afraid. Of it. I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be talking about uh, demon possession uh, in a couple weeks as we talk about Matthew chapter eight. But here's the thing. We have Jesus Christ who has all authority And so we can experience his healing from that. And and, and so I was thinking about, you know, demon possession. I started thinking, though, about addiction in our our culture. And I started, I just had this thought, and I was like, okay, so demons are there to isolate people from loved ones, uh, to create bondage in people's lives. They're there to do all this stuff. I started thinking about addiction. Isn't it the same thing? Isn't it being being addicted to a substance or to something where you're what? In bondage. You've now isolated yourself from your family. You have, you have uh, completely destroyed your life and in, in the process sometimes destroyed other people's lives. And so I don't know how it all works, but I know this is that there's a huge, there's a huge addiction problems in our culture and there's some psychology behind that addiction, but I do believe that demonic influence can come in and can and can totally capitalize on that addiction, and so somehow it's working together. But here's the thing: again, God can bring healing, so we don't have to be afraid. And so, uh, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you can expect to be healed. We can expect to be healed. Number two, if if we're following Jesus, this is where I'm gonna take a little bit of a turn here, is um, following Jesus will require sacrifice. It will require us to give something up if we really want to be followers of Jesus. Listen, so many people think that, and and they could probably do this, hey, I believe in Jesus, I've been forgiven of my sins, I'm gonna spend eternity with God in heaven. Like, uh, I've got what we call eternal fire insurance. (laughs) I'm good now. And then they live their lives as if they're not even followers of Jesus. Could Jesus give you that gift? And why would you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to serve the Lord with your life after he's paid such a huge price for you? And so Jesus talks about what it's gonna cost us to be a follower of him. Verse 18 of Matthew chapter eight When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And so when Jesus saw the crowds, verse 18, he gave orders to cross to the side. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you wanna go. Teacher of the law. <clears throat> this was a big wig. This was a religious leader in that day. This was a guy who knew the scriptures. And, and I, I just wonder if this or this um, Jewish teacher of the law, who was an elite in his his culture, <clears throat> if he looked over and he saw Jesus's disciples and said, I think these guys could use some help. Because who were Jesus's disciples? They were fishermen, tax collector, a zealot who wanted to overthrow the, the Roman government. These were just a, a, a motley crew, uh, just a ragtag group of guys that Jesus says I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you into something special. And so I imagine this leader, this guy saying, no, 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 I, I've got something to offer here. And so I don't know if Jesus was picking up on any sort of pride or some sort of like, I'm gonna come in and help rescue this. Thing. I don't know what he's doing, but what Jesus says to him, instead of saying, oh yeah, come follow me. It's gonna be great. Everything's gonna go well for you. No, 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 this is what he says. He says, foxes, foxes, um, have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Hey, you wanna come follow me? You're gonna have to give up all of your comforts. You're, you're gonna have to basically, uh, get, you know, even be willing to give up your home and that, that security that you have, you're, you have to be willing to give that up because here's the deal. If you wanna follow me, I don't have a home. I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping at Peter's house tonight. <laughs> I'm couch surfing over with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus tonight but I'm going where God has called me to go. And so uh, are you willing to give that up? You know, I was thinking about this. We have designed our lives around comfort. Think about that. I mean, the invention of the lazy boy chair. I'll tell you, it's one of the greatest inventions I've ever experienced. Um, And I mean, you know, those big padded armrests and then, you know, I just, I love the feeling of like, of pulling that lever and you just go, oh, everything's great. But here's the cool thing. Lazy bear boy chairs don't even have levers anymore. They have buttons. I don't even have to, that, that's too much work. I'm just gonna, pff. all right, here we go. And then as you fall asleep. And then, um, <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid, um, I had this little 13-inch TV in my room And I remember, you know, I'd be watching cartoons. And if I wanted to turn turn the channel, I had to begin to decide in my mind if it was worth me getting up to walk over to the little knob and turn the channel. Does anybody remember this? Like, it was just like, man, like, you know what? Eh, I don't really wanna watch it, but I don't really wanna get up. So I'm just gonna go ahead and watch this video. And then you have the remote control. And then we have these. Oh my goodness, you guys. Now, I mean, you remember you had, you had the calendar here and you had your contacts over here, your little Rolodex, and you had you know your phone with the cord over here that you had to be anchored to if you wanted to talk to somebody. And now, what, are you kidding me? We have created everything in one little box that tethers us to it and we forget it at home and we think the world's going to end, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. We have the the message of being a disciple of Jesus is absolutely countercultural to what we know in western civilization that basically says, everything that we do, we do for more comfort. And Jesus tells this guy, no, you wanna follow me, you actually are gonna have to become less comfortable. In fact, it's gonna be painful and there's gonna be suffering. And Jesus even says, at one point, he says, if you wanna be my follower, you're gonna have to deny yourself, you're gonna have to pick up your cross, which was a death sentence, and then you're gonna have to follow me. Welcome to Christianity, folks. This is what it's about. It's about. And so Jesus never, and here's the interesting thing. Jesus never spoke in a way where he was always trying to figure out where his audience was so that he can gain more followers. He always spoke the, the hard truth. And oftentimes there would be these crowds and then he would say something like this and what would happen is the, th- the crowds would begin to thin out. That just doesn't go against something like marketing, right? modern-day marketing. No, 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 we want more. Yeah, obviously, we want more people to come to faith in Jesus, but we don't want to bring them to a circus Jesus who's going to give them popcorn and cotton candy all the time. No, no, no. We're going to bring them to Jesus who doesn't have a place to live because he's, he's on the move. He's sharing the good news. In verse 20, Jesus replied, uh, or, or let's drop down to verse 21 with me. Another disciple said to him, Lord, First, let me go and bury my father. And now listen to Jesus's response to this. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Whoa, Jesus, what's up with that? That seems pretty <laughs> insensitive, right? <clears throat> this, what's happening here, it's not that the, um, in that culture, it was very family-centric, Right? And so obviously uh, kids would take care of their parents. And in this instance, it's not like the dad is on his deathbed and he just wants to say goodbye to his father. What he's saying is, I want to wait to follow you before maybe he even wants his inheritance. Um, His dad's probably not even sick, but he's, he's using it as an excuse to not follow Jesus. That's the bottom line. And so, I mean, it sounds kind of harsh, but he, what he's saying is, listen, don't wait to follow me. How many people have excuses of why they don't want to follow Jesus? We have excuses that, you know, when we're young, we go, I don't want to follow Jesus because I want to have a bunch of fun before I follow Jesus. So I'll wait. I'll be in high school and I'll wait until I get to college. And then college comes around. and like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait till I get, to, to, till I get married to, to really follow Jesus. And then You get married and you go, oh, I don't really wanna follow Jesus until I have kids. And so, you know, I can bring them to church and then I'm gonna wait till then. Uh, But I don't really wanna follow Jesus until I have my life kind of put together. And it's like, we just kind of use all of these excuses. And Jesus is saying, stop with the excuses. Today is the day, follow me now. Be willing to give up anything in your life that distracts me from you. And he's just calling them to to repentance. He's calling them to commitment. He's calling them to follow him at all costs. And that's what a follower of Jesus is. And I can tell you that uh, I'll be honest with you. There have been times in my life where God is calling me to do something that I know he's calling me to do, and I don't wanna do it. And we've had little arguments. Like, Lord, I don't wanna do this. I'm just, I'm done. I don't wanna do it. And um, he always wins the argument. He always just says, you know what? But there's, a, there's a, an internal battle a tug of war, if you will, in our souls on a regular basis. Uh, Am I gonna go for the comfort? Am I gonna go for what's God calling me to do? And I'll tell you this, uh, just because you are in the will of God does not make it easy. It does not make it safe. If you're looking for safe and you're looking for easy, um, following Jesus is not for you. But if you're looking for adventure, and you're looking for faith, and you're looking for surrender and saying, God, if, I, if, if I, you're asking me to do this, and if I don't do it well, I'm going to fall on my face. I need you. Like It's a life of dependency on him, because the things that he calls us to do that are hard, he will never leave us to do them alone. He will always walk with us through those, and so <clears throat> Those are the two things. Hey, following Jesus, you're gonna experience healing. You're you're gonna instantly experience spiritual healing and maybe physical and even emotional healing as well. But following Jesus, it's gonna come at a great price. And and so maybe God's calling you to uh, get plugged into a ministry or he's calling you to start a ministry or he's calling you to go be a missionary somewhere, or he's just calling you to do something that's gonna take you out of your comfort zone. Now, as I was thinking about this passage, I'm like, oh my goodness, there's so much wrapped up in this. And I would hate almost for you, for me to be like, okay, there's the sermon. I'll see you guys next week. I sensed this week when I was studying that the Lord wanted us to grow as a church a little bit, that he wanted us to take a step of faith as a church. And, and what I want to do is I want to take um, the last part of our service and I want to invite people, if they're struggling with something, maybe you need healing right now and you're, you're going through something difficult, that we would have a group of people up here during the last song to be able to pray for you. Isn't that cool? Uh, you know, and, and here's the thing. Uh, for you, maybe it's spiritual healing. Maybe you've never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and you just wanna say, Lord Jesus, I wanna give my life to you and experience that forgiveness for the first time. Others of you right now, maybe you need emotional healing. I think that's the, one of the biggest ones in our culture right now. Some of you have been sh- struggling with depression and anxiety. Some of you have been struggling with PTSD, different things. And I can just tell you stories of my own life when I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, I had these little signs of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, when I was a kid. I didn't really tell anybody about it, but I was young and I, and there would be things like I would, I would go into a room and I'd, I'd leave the room and I'd like flick the light switch on and off and it was just, I, I couldn't get it right. And it was just this weird OCD thing in me. And when I came to faith in Jesus, like that was gone in an instant. Now, when I went through a really traumatic time when I was uh, in my early forties, uh, that OCD started to come back up. And I remember just praying to God, like, God, I need your healing. Psalm 30, I cried out to the Lord and he healed me. I just remember the process he took me through and I, could, I, I don't have time to share with you the whole process, but he, he healed me from that. And and I just want you to know, like, this is not just so. so I've experienced emotional healing. Maybe for you right now, the healing is in in the form of grief. And you're saying, God, I've been grieving and I've been so brokenhearted for so long. And I just feel like I need a touch of comfort and love from you. Maybe that's the healing you're needing. Uh, Perhaps you're needing actual physical healing. Some of you have been dealing with chronic issues and chronic, and listen, I'm not, guarantee, I'm not gonna guarantee if you get it prayed for in God's sovereignty, maybe he decides not to heal you, but I'm, I'm like, let's go for it. Let's give it a shot because he calls us to, to ask him. And so if, we're, if he's calling us to ask him, let's ask him. And maybe today God wants to bring physical healing in your body, um, others of you, maybe God, what he wants to do to you, for you today is he wants to bring healing in regards to a temptation or an addiction that you have had in your life that has been keeping you in bondage. It's been creating so much shame and so much guilt and isolation. And, and maybe even no one knows about it, but you've been suffering in silence. And today, you don't suffer anymore. You're, you're gonna share that and reveal that and bring that to the light. And there's gonna be somebody there to pray for you and show you God's grace and love. And so over this, that's what we want to do today. And so during the next song, I want to invite, um, we're going to have a few people come up and they're going to be here uh, up at the stage. But I want to invite you, if, if today you need some sort of healing, some sort of strength in your life, you just need, today's the day. And so um, as I pray, I want to invite the, the, the folks that I've asked to, to pray for people to come up to the stage and during the song. Um, at any point during the song, you can just come up. And, and here's the thing. Do you think it was embarrassing a little bit for that leper to come to Jesus? Do you think it was a little bit humbling for that centurion to come and ask for healing for his servant? You better believe it. But that's the cost sometimes of being a, a full disciple. Jesus, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up my pride, my image. I'm gonna, I'm gonna risk, you know, and here's the thing. No one's looking at you today. We're not looking around the room and seeing who's getting up and what's it. No, no, no. This is between you and God today. And God wants to do something powerful in your life. So let's pray together. Father, as we, <clears throat> as we uh, humble ourselves before you, Lord, we acknowledge that you have all authority, all power to heal. Um, Lord, I know that there's some in here right now that are dealing with emotional issues. Lord, they, they've tried everything, God, and it just seems like nothing works. God, there's, there's those today, Lord, that have been dealing with physical issues, Lord, and they've tried everything and just nothing works. God, thank you that you bring us to a place of sometimes desperation when we realize, Lord, we need your healing. And so, God, I pray during this next time of, this time of worship here, God, that our hearts would be surrendered to you, that you would do a healing work in people's hearts, whether they come up to the front or they're in their seats, God, that you would do a healing work in all of our hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.